Welcome to Study the Word Podcast with your host, Dr. Marty Mento. Together we will discover wisdom that leads to salvation and spiritual growth. Here with today's Bible teaching is your host, Dr. Marty Mento. Well, thank you so much, Randy, and welcome once again to Study the Word Podcast. If you have your Bibles today, turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, as we continue in our study of discipleship steps, we're looking at the word steps as an acronym, and we're on the letter T. And the letter T stands for truth according to God. And we have learned already that truth is that which agrees with God, and God's word is truth. Um, We are to be sanctified or set apart in truth. Um, We're taught also that when we abide and obey God's word, then we're truly his disciples. Obedience is what God demands when it comes to his word. It's it's what he wants from us. Um, Our responsibility, though, as we learned last time we got together, is that we are responsible to study God's word. We as believers need to show ourselves approved unto God. We must be able to rightly divide God's word or to cut it straight. And if there is a right way, well, then there's a wrong way. And that seems to be the issue that really is at the forefront today where people are not rightly dividing God's word. Um, They're not bringing the proper understanding, um, not only for themselves, but to others and this is becoming a, um, a real dilemma in the visible church today. And it's causing a lot of people to believe things that are not true and hold on to things that are, are, that are just not so. And not to mention, then we have the whole issue, too, where, where the false teachers come around and, and they, they preach and proclaim things uh, that are not found in God's Word or they twist it. They add to it, they take away from it, whatever it may be. Um, We have many people who find themselves in great confusion. I have said this statement many times before, and I'll say it again. I I really believe today in visible Christianity, there's much confusion. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants people to be confused, not to understand, not to grasp the truth of God's Word. And so we're going to continue where we left off last week. And, and uh, you know, as a Christian, there should be within us a desire, a longing, as we mentioned, for the Word of God. We learned last time we got together that all Scripture is God-breathed. It all came from Him. And, and we should be men and women of the Word. We should desire and long uh, for His truth. And the reason I had you open up the First Peter chapter 2 I want you to look with me, if you would, for just a moment at verses 2 and 3. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Listen to these words. Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now see the example, like a newborn baby. Uh, we should crave the milk, but the milk here he's talking about is the pure milk, the unadulterated um, milk of the Word. That's what we should crave. That's what we should long for. Uh, We need to be daily in God's Word. We need to be studying His Word and taking the time 
Uh, we need to make the time. I've mentioned this, I think, in the last podcast, unfortunately, but true. A lot of people try to fit God into their busy schedule. If you try to fit studying God's Word into your schedule, it's never going to work. You're going to find great frustration. Uh, you're going to find really a, a, a lack of growth spiritually. Um, and I, I would say that you're a target. You're weak, and you don't understand things, and it, you're going to find yourself in much confusion. Because, again, there's many voices out there today. Uh, the Scripture tells us, just as it were false prophets in the days of old, in these last days, there's false teachers, and they're inside the church or the visible church. They claim to be Christians. And there's a lot of voices out there today, from you know everywhere from books to what you could watch on TV, listen on a radio, whatever the case may be. Uh, there's a lot of voices trying to gain your attention. And so, again, it's important for you to make that time and to be dedicated and to desire to long for the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow in respect to salvation or that you may grow spiritually. When it comes to salvation, that's what God wants from us. He wants us to grow. He doesn't want us to remain babes or babies. He wants us to grow and to be mature men and women of God. But it says in verse 3, if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord, I really believe that's kind of, um, well, it's kind of the proof. I mean, if God has truly saved you and he has changed your life, there should be a desire. There should be a longing. There should be a craving for his word. I know that when he saved me, that was the case in my life. That was one thing that became evident more than anything else was that craving for his word. But he uses the conditional word there, if, because it's the proof. We've talked about this already to some degree, and I could talk about it a little bit more. But Jesus in the book of John, chapter 8, John chapter 8, in verses 31, 32, listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus, therefore, was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So the proof of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is abiding in his word. So once again, if you abide, it's conditional here too. So not only Jesus speaking, bringing a conditional if, but also we find it here the same um, as we're reading the scriptures here from, from Peter. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So I want to encourage you before we begin our, 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 our principles today to really truly look at your life and to ask yourself, am I really taking the time? Am I spending the time? Am I in the Word of God the way that I should be? Now, let's go today, and we're in step number two, underneath the T for truth according to God. We're in principle number five. Principle number five is this. Listen carefully. I'll read the whole thing with the answers. All of God's Word has come directly from God Himself. The Bible is a God book, not a man book. Men carried along by the Holy Spirit wrote it down for all mankind. Let me repeat that. All of God's Word has come directly from God Himself. 
The Bible is a God book, not a man book. Men carried along by the Holy Spirit wrote it down for all mankind. If you have your Bibles, go with me now to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Um, this passage of Scripture in verses 19 through 21 is in the utmost importance. Um, this would go hand in hand with what we studied last week when we got together from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, which says, All Scripture is inspired by God, or it's God-breathed, or breathed out by God. This passage goes hand-in-hand with last week's teaching, and this passage is very important, and I'll tell you why. Because we're living in a day and age where what I hear from most people who are skeptical about Christianity, um, who, you know, when you begin to share and talk about Jesus and you want to present the gospel, you you want to share about your faith, um, you always will begin to share Scripture. You will bring up verses from the Bible. And more often than not, you'll hear people say, wait wait a minute, I I don't buy that because I don't believe the Bible is a God book. That's what they'll say. I believe the Bible was written by a bunch of men, and you can't be trusted. It's not really a God book. So, you know, I'll be honest with you, I don't really have... I don't have much to, you know, I, I, I just really don't want any part of this Christianity that you call. But they don't understand, and I think it's our responsibility to share with them that they are partially correct. Now, you, you may find yourself going, wait a minute, you just said all of God's Word has come directly from God Himself, and the Bible is a God book, not a man book. And that is true. But when I say they're partially correct, because we have to understand the origination of the Bible, the origination of what these men received came from God. So all the prophets, the writers, the 40-some writers that have written down from all different backgrounds and ways of life and and people, some of them kings, some of them um, priests, some of them fishermen, some of them tax collectors— uh, you know, some of them wealthy businessmen or, or successful farmers. We could go on and on. There's, there's a variety of people that have written uh, the Word of God down on the parchment. They put it on the scrolls. They've spoken it to people, to others. But we have to understand where it all originated. So we go to this passage in 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, verses 19 through 21, and this is what we read. Peter, as he writes here, he says, And so we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. What does he mean by we have the prophetic word made more sure? Well, what we have here is a reference to prophecy being fulfilled. When these prophets of old spoke and then wrote down on the parchment what God had given to them, the only way for us to really understand whether or not this was from God is there has to be fulfillment of prophecy. Maybe you've heard this, maybe you've never, but from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, 
all of the Bible, the 66 books, is in fact about Jesus and salvation. And interwoven in all the pages and all the chapters and everything that is written, we have a picture of the one who is going to redeem mankind, the one who is the Savior, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, uh, the great Redeemer, uh, the great Physician, the one who is the Son of the living God, the Messiah, the Anointed One. We could go on and on about this. However, we understand that as those who spoke and those who wrote on God's behalf, the only way that we can know for sure is there has to be some fulfillment here. Matter of fact, it's kind of ironic, but I don't have the time to get into it today on this podcast, but there are over 300-plus prophecies that are spoken about Jesus Christ, about his birth, about his life, his death, uh, his burial, uh, the crucifixion, the resurrection, uh, his ministry, uh, his healing, um, his life in general, uh, until his ascension back into heaven. Over 300 and some prophecies, 60 of them, uh, some would say in great detail, that uh, is very specific. Like, like, for instance, if you go back in the Old Testament and you would read Isaiah 53, have you ever taken the time to read Isaiah 53? I, many, I remember many, many years ago in a church I was pastoring, I, I was doing a verse-by-verse study on Sunday mornings from Isaiah 53. And one particular Sunday morning, a woman, an elderly woman in this church, broke down and began to sob. And she, she wept uncontrollably uh, to the point that as I was coming to the end of, of, the, of the teaching, um, I, I found myself not sure exactly what to do because everyone around her was so concerned because her weeping became uh, more or louder than it was be, when it first started. It was uncontrollable. And long story short, after the uh, service, I went directly to her. And I won't mention her name, but I, I, I talked to her, and she's old enough to be my grandmother. And she had been through an awful lot in life. Uh, she had lost her husband. She had lost uh, two of her, uh, I believe, four children. And I, I thought to myself, you know, maybe just the heaviness of life and things that she's been through, maybe this was what was just causing her to just weep uncontrollably. And it come to my surprise but that day, that Sunday morning, during this message on Isaiah 53, this elderly lady was saved by God. For the first time in her life, she recognized Isaiah 53 as being Jesus. And when when the gospel was presented on those page or in those uh, verses in that chapter. God got a hold of her, and she became broken. And she was just, I mean, she she had like stammering lips as she's trying to talk to me and share with me. She realized for the first time this was about Jesus. But that day she got saved. uh, About a week later, maybe two, at max, she was baptized. And uh, it was a glorious day. 
Um, but my point is simply this, throughout Scripture, there is prophecy after prophecy. And again, when it's, it's fulfilled, as Peter writes here, we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which we do well to pay attention. Um, and we do well to pay attention until that lamp is shining in the dark place. In the darkness of our heart, it's dark no longer, but there's a light there. The day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts that we've come to realize, we've come to recognize who Jesus is. We've come to realize what is ahead for us who put our faith and our trust in him, et cetera, and et cetera. But, but Peter doesn't just stop there. He says in verse 20, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. That's very, very important, no prophecy. So nothing that was ever spoken, nothing ever written down as far as what we call Scripture is a matter of the prophet's own interpretation. That word is a word that we have to understand, interpretation. It gives us the understanding of origination because the prophet can't give to you what the prophet himself doesn't understand. There were times that the prophets spoke and wrote things that they did not completely understand, things that were futuristic, things that had not yet been fulfilled. There were times that prophecy was spoken in regards to the people of that time period. Sometimes they were spoken in generalities. There could be an understanding. But at the same time, the origination of the prophecy didn't begin with the prophet. It began with God. That's why, as we've said before, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture originated with God. So it's not a matter of one's own interpretation because there are the messengers. They are the mouthpiece. They are the ones who will speak to the people. They are the ones who will write it down on the parchment or the scrolls, but it originated with God. Matter of fact, this is very important, and I'm going to share something with you that I teach quite often. When you are studying God's Word, one of the first things you have to understand is context is everything. So when you're looking at the context of a story, you're looking at what's taking place, we know that as we read any book, we, we have the questions that we need to answer, the who, what, when, where, and why. But the who is very important when it comes to biblical interpretation, when it comes to studying God's Word. And actually, there's three who's. The first who is where did it originate with? Who, who, who's the one who spoke this? Who's the one who gave this? Ultimately, the first two is always God, because all Scripture is God-breathed. It comes from God. It didn't start with the prophet. It started with God. The second who is who is the one who is speaking this on God's behalf, or who is the one who is writing this on God's behalf? So out throughout the Bible, we have these 40-some writers. We, we have them from different backgrounds. There are occasions that we don't know who the writer or the prophet is. Um, sometimes they don't name themselves. Other times they do. Uh, sometimes through studying the 
text and the passages and what is spoken, we gain an idea, a real good idea of who the prophet was. But the third who is who is it written to or who is it spoken for? Now, this is very important because there are times many of the things that were spoken were written or spoken to the children of Israel. Um, And even in the midst of that, sometimes it was just directly to them and no one else. Then there's other times what we call a dual prophecy, where we have the fulfillment of being it spoken to the people at that time, but it also has a futuristic meaning in the far-out future. And they would call that a dual prophecy. Sometimes it's spoken to a, a direct person. Sometimes it's spoken or written down in generalities. Um, so we have to find out the third who. Now, we learn something from Scripture that I think is very, very important. All of Scripture is written for us, but not to us. Listen to this again. All of Scripture is written for us, but not to us. That's why the three who's are very important. For instance, you take a passage in the Old Testament. Quite often, uh, the visible church today will take passages out of the Old Testament, and a preacher or Christians or a Bible teacher will claim that for themselves, for their church, for their ministry. The problem is it was never meant to be for them, for their church or for their ministry, or for Christianity as a whole. It was spoken by God or came from God. He's the first who. He gave it to the prophet, and the prophet, the specific prophet, was to specifically give it to, we'll say, the children of Israel. It was never meant for us in the sense that he spoke it to us and for us. And so what happens today in Christianity is we have people that claim things, that it belongs to them, and then they go on their own, I guess, journeys, you would call it, and they do what they want to do with it, and they really truly abuse the Word of God. They're almost similar to the false teachers, or even the false prophets, because they're claiming that something belongs to them, and it doesn't. Now, listen to me carefully. When I say all of Scripture is written for us but not to us, what I mean is we can learn from everything that is written in Scripture. Now, there are times that there are generalities that we can take heed. Many of the teachings of Jesus were spoken so that all who are believers, all who have put their faith and trust in him, um, they would know what he expects, what he commands of them, what God the Father wants from them, etc. But everything in the Word of God, from the book of uh, Genesis to the book of Revelation, there are principles, there's things that we can learn. We can learn from the life of Adam and Eve. We can learn from the life of Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah. We can learn from King David. We can learn uh, from the life of the Apostle Paul. We can learn from the letters that he wrote to the church at Corinth or the church at Ephesus. But again, all of Scripture is written for us, but not to us. Uh, there is a passage of Scripture in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, this is not in your book, but this will be helpful to you. 
But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes a, 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 when he's writing to the church at Corinth, he's making it clear about the children of Israel and how the fact that they, they were all underneath the cloud um, and they passed through the sea, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, they all ate the same spiritual food, they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. But listen to this. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. But listen to what Paul says next. This is important. Now these things happened as examples for us that we should not crave evil things as they also craved. Now, in the next few verses, Paul tells us what they craved, what they did, their evil, their wickedness, and and exactly what happened to them, how God laid them dead, and how he responded. But once again in verse 11, he says again, Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the age have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Basically, he's repeating the same thing. Now, if you know in in the Scriptures, if something is repeated, uh, you know, no matter who is repeating it, ultimately it's God who's given it to Paul. He's repeating to the church, you need to take heed. This is very, very important. This is a warning. These examples are for us to learn so that we don't do what they did. And see, that's what I mean by all of Scripture is for us, but not to us. Uh, We weren't there in the wilderness as the children of Israel, but we learn from reading the stories and what happened to them for our own instruction, so that we don't follow them and God would be displeased with us, and God's hand would come against us. So this is very, very important. So don't forget, the three who's are of the utmost importance. Now let me go back to the text real quick in 2 Peter uh, chapter uh, 1, and listen carefully. 2 Peter chapter 1. So what we have here, what we've learned so far, is the fact that um, we have the prophetic word made more sure, and we would do well to pay attention. We know that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. In other words, it didn't originate. But here's where Peter just kind of leaves and continues with the thought, but he leaves it once again in a crescendo kind of way by repeating what he just said in his letter. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. So truly, these weren't men who just came up with this. They were sitting around one day and said, you know what, I think I'll write down and or I'll tell people what I think God is saying. No, it did not originate. It didn't start as an act of the human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. In other words, the word move means to carried. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's when they spoke from God. Now, if you'll notice the Bible, this is important. The Bible, all of these different writers, God used their personalities 
he they he used their style of writing, their style of speaking. Some were very uh, strong in their speech; others were not. Um, but he carried them along by the Holy Spirit to make sure that what was being spoken, what was being taught, what was being written down, was actually from God and not from themselves, because it was coming from God. Now they weren't robots that were just to do whatever they were supposed to do. They, God used them as the, as, as the human beings that he created in their own personalities and that, but at the same time, he watched over them. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit to make sure that every jot, every tittle, every word, everything that would be spoken and placed upon the parchment was truly from God. Think about this. Did you ever have a situation in your life where someone said you said something and you didn't say it? Or someone said you did something and you didn't do it? I've been there many of times, and it makes me upset. I mean, how could someone say I said something or did something when I didn't say it or do it? Well, let me tell you, if you study the Word of God, especially in the Old Testament, God is, he gets very angry about that. Because no one has a right to speak on his behalf unless he tells them. Same thing. I mean, he deals quite extensively in the Old Testament with the false prophets because he makes it clear. These men are dreamers. They dream their own dreams. They have, they're filled with their own imaginations. They say things that I didn't say. And God rightfully and justly brings upon his condemnation upon them. And folks, listen to me carefully. We have warnings all throughout the New Testament in the last days in which we're living right now. As there were false prophets in the days of old, there will be false teachers. They will be inside the visible church leading people astray. That's exactly what's happening today. People after people are being led astray. Uh, there are those out there who claim to be Christian writers, uh, claim to be Bible teachers, claim to, you know, they're on TV, whatever that, and they make all these claims, and many of them, not all, but many of them take the Word of God, and they bring about what God didn't say or didn't mean. They create great confusion. That's why I've said before, and I'll say it again, we're living in a day and age, and it's going to get worse the true biblical Christianity, it is very defined, very specific. We know what God says when we understand, when we read, when we study, when we sit under good, wholesome, healthy, um, sound doctrinal teaching as Christians, when we know how to study and understand God's Word. If we don't, then we will find ourselves confused because all these voices are all over the place. And I've told people quite often, I have found the answer is when they're teaching, when they're speaking, have your Bible with you. Open it up. And then after you're done listening, go back, look again, study hard, look and see whether or not they have used the Scripture in the proper context. Ask them about the three who's, as I just mentioned earlier. Uh, begin to realize and understand that you are, are held responsible. I am for our approval before God. We have to rightly divide 
his word of truth. Last but not least, before I let you go today, if you go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, and this will kind of just give us a, a, a just a, a further perspective. But uh, remember, this is the chapter in chapter 1 of the birth of Jesus. And we know that um, Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, and Joseph had never been with Mary. And he was considering uh, to put her away uh, because he didn't want to disgrace her. But we know that in a dream, um, an angel appeared to Joseph and told Joseph to take Mary as his wife. Don't be afraid because that which she has conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on and talks about his, his name will be called Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. Now listen to verse 22. This is kind of helps us understand everything we've been talking about today. Now all this took place that was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, shall bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. But listen to verse 22. It originated with the Lord, the Lord our God. It was brought through the prophet. At that time was the prophet Isaiah. And this prophecy is found in Isaiah 7, 14. And the fulfillment of the prophecy takes place here hundreds of years later, and it deals with Mary being found with a child. And that child within her womb is our Lord, our Savior, Jesus. And so we have the third who. This is for Joseph and for Mary. And the angel in the dream makes it clear it started with God. He spoke it to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah put it down on the parchment. And there were hundreds of years that went by, but then the fulfillment came because we realized who this was for. The virgin was Mary. The one who was engaged to her was Joseph and had to deal with them and their family. And you see the actual fulfillment. And to me, if we look at that, and again, if we just spend some more time thinking about this, we can see the three who's. We can see the fact that this didn't originate with Mary or Joseph. It didn't originate with Isaiah the prophet. It came from God, which once again, this helps us to understand the reality here that all of God's Word has come directly from God Himself. The Bible is a God book, not a man book. However, remember, they're half right when they say it's not a man's book. God used men to speak His Word, to put His Word on the parchment or on the scroll. And these men are carried along by the Holy Spirit who wrote it down for all mankind. Well, today I know this podcast has been a little bit longer than normal, and we only got through one principle, principle number five. But I'll tell you, this T in the word steps, which stands for truth according to God, this whole teaching is very important. 
I'm not in a hurry, and I hope that you're not either. And I hope today that I have challenged you to really think and really consider exactly um, what is before you when you open the Bible. The Bible is a God's book. Everything in this book originated with God. All of Scripture is God-breathed. When we pick it up, we should be awestruck. There should be some reverence and awe to us when we begin to study it. We, we begin to realize how important these are the words of God. And next time we get together, um, we're going to talk about God's Word and how God's Word speaks to us. And it's going to be a great time. Folks, tell your friends, your loved ones, your neighbors, even your enemies. Tell folks at church about Study the Word podcast. It's important. And again, as we together go on this journey to become like Jesus. Thanks for listening to Study the Word Podcast with Bible teacher Dr. Marty Minto. If you have questions in regards to today's study or any questions about the Bible and or spiritual issues, then email us at studythewordpodcast at gmail.com. We hope through today's teaching you have learned biblical truth so that you can teach others and defend the Christian faith. Tell others about Study the Word Podcast available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. Once again, thanks for listening to Study the Word Podcast with